appreciate the opportunity. I want to talk about this uh, secret life of Walter Mitty because there's something that Walter has uh, in common with the 12 disciples. I don't know if you knew that or not, but we're going to look at a story. It's kind of a cool story. And so let's get uh, right into it if we could. It comes, comes out of Mark chapter 6. We'll be there in just a minute. But, you know, when we read the Bible... We, we read the Bible, and, and all of us read it differently. You know, we read it, and some of us look at it and go, yeah, that's a cool story, or, you know, wow, I don't understand that, or, you know, that's, that's kind of strange or weird that that would happen, but we all read it differently. And some of us, you know, we read it every day, and some of us maybe read it occasionally or, you know, different times of the day, whatever, but we all look at this book a little different. What I want to really kind of frame this message around is the idea that we would look at this, and when we read the Bible, we just don't read it, from afar, but we actually interact with it, that we actually put ourselves in the same stories that the disciples are in. So in other words, rather than just looking at a story and going, yeah, it's kind of cool, or wow, I couldn't believe that happened, we go, what would it have been like to actually been in the story? What would it have, what would the, 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 the weather been like? What would the surroundings look like? What would, what would I have smelled? What would I have felt? What would I have encountered? What would I have heard? Because as you'll see, hopefully today, you've got to realize that this book was not just a book for 2,000 years ago, but it's really a book for us today, and as we interact with it, we find ourselves within this book. And the stories that are in there are really meant to help us even 2,000 years later in life. It's, it's like a manual for life. It's like something that I look at and I go, okay, it's just like uh, reading your, your new car manual, and you go, okay, I didn't know how this works or that works, and you look at it and you go, wait a minute, this is... God's trying to show me how life works, but I've got to interact with it. I can't just look at it, read it, and set it down. And so it's a journal for journey, my life journey, if you will. And as a result of that, when I look at uh, the life of Secret Life of Walter Mitty, it really captivated my attention because it's it's kind of got a very subtle message to it. And I like movies that have these subtle messages to them that you can kind of walk away and take something out of it. One of the messages that's kind of intriguing, it's real ironic, for those of you who've seen the movie, that Walter here, he works at Life Publisher. He works at Life Magazine, but he has no life. The irony behind that is, is that even on his online dating profile, he has nothing there. It's just empty. His, his whole life is just centered around working in a basement for a magazine called Life, and the irony is has, has no life. Oh, but he does dream occasionally about doing heroic things. He does dream occasionally about doing these fascinating things you saw the couple clips where he rescued the little dog and and gave it to the girl that he eventually uh uh, turned to like and and uh and all but that's it's all it is for him is just a dream for some of us life is nothing but just a dream that we just say boy one day maybe god could do this in my life or maybe one day i could do this for god or maybe one day i could do something heroic or maybe one day i could leave a legacy for someone but But most of us go through life just kind of reading about other people's lives, other people's stories. Matter of fact, we don't even really like the idea of this adventurous life. We want comfortable, safe, secure, predictable life. We want everything just to kind of, okay, today I know exactly what's going to happen, and it's going to be okay, and I'm going to come home tonight, and everything's going to be fine, and I don't have to worry about anything. But as you read this book, you realize the disciples had some pretty incredible adventures that they were going through. And so as a result of that, we got to realize that God has created us for adventure. I don't know if you knew that or not, but I want you to think back to the day you were born. Remember? Think back to that day. And on the day you were born, the very first thing you saw 
was men wearing masks, holding knives. I mean, think about that for just a moment. I mean, that's the very first thing you encountered. So God set us up from the very beginning of life to live a life of adventure. He wants us to encounter, because why? Because as you look at this book, the Bible, you realize that it's really a book about grace. Now, maybe you've never looked at it that way before. Maybe you've kind of read it and you've seen it as, you know, harsh or a bunch of rules or things that you go, wow, I could never measure up to that. Or maybe it, maybe it reminds you of things that you go, wow, there's some regrets there. But what if you kind of turn the tables a little bit and watch, what if you saw this book now as a book about grace, God's grace to us? You say, wow, I don't know if I could do that. But think about this. When you ask Jesus to come to your life, to come into your life and to help you through life, you did that understanding a portion of his grace. It's by grace that we come to know Jesus and are saved, the Bible says. Well, what many of us do is we stop right there with his grace. We accept his grace. We say, okay, now I'm going to heaven because Jesus died on a cross for me. I'm going to heaven, his grace. And then we kind of set his grace aside. And then we try to get through life doing our thing and try to make it through the storms that we encounter in life, forgetting that his grace is always with us throughout life. And one of the things that God wants to do in our lives is show us his grace and help us to live a courageous life in the midst of this. So here's Walter. He goes through life dreaming about being courageous, but never really being courageous until he comes to a place, an encounter, where he begins to interact with his very Life magazine publication that forces him into a situation. So let's look at this a little bit as we kind of walk through what Walter and the disciples have in common. I want you to look at, if you would, in, in Mark chapter 6, starting at verse 45. Immediately... Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. So the story that happens right before this is Jesus and his disciples feed 5,000 plus people. They have a few loaves, a few fishes, a few fish, and they, Jesus multiplies it, feeds thousands of people. It's a miracle. And so Jesus says after the miracle's over, he sends everybody home. He tells his disciples to get in the boat, and he goes up to pray. So let's pick it up. So after leaving them, he, Jesus, went up on the mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, the Sea of Galilee, the Lake of Galilee, and he, Jesus, was alone on the land. And he saw his disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. Walking on the lake. Okay, you guys act as if you've seen this all the time. I've never seen this, okay? So this would be new for me. I know, it's, you know you've, you've encountered it several times. But he's walking on the lake. Still nothing. Okay, whatever. So he's walking on the lake, and, uh, and, and it's, he's about ready to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out, as I would, because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately, he spoke to them and said, take courage. What an interesting response. Take courage. They're scared. They're terrified. They think he's a ghost. Take courage. And then he says, do not be afraid. It is I. Then he climbed into the boat with them. The wind died down. They were completely amazed. For, their, for they had not understood about the loaves, referring to the miracle before, for their hearts were become hardened. Now, I, uh, when I was, uh, I was attending school in Lincoln, my parents uh, military, and they moved over to England 
and I visited them one day or one Christmas season and as they said to I was the oldest so my brother and sisters were there and they said no presents this year for Christmas we're going to instead we're going to take a little family trip over to Paris and spend two or three days in Paris and that was our Christmas gift so we crossed over the English Channel and went into Paris spent a couple of days and on the way back uh, we got to the place uh, where all the ferries take off, the big boats, and they're, they're about three stories high, and uh, plus the place where they put the cars and all. And so we're and there's a big storm coming through, and they're, so they're they're delaying all the boats from going across. And finally, it's about midnight, and they they realize the place, the terminal's packed. I mean, it's standing room only. I'm literally standing there, packed people. It's midnight. They realize that there's no place for these people to go, so they they load everyone up on one of these ferries, and they're going to cross the English Channel, and realize that you got the the main portion, then you got three stories of uh, you know place where people stay, and and as we're crossing over to go from France to England, there's another ferry going from England to France, and there were times when the waves were so big we couldn't see the other boat crossing. I mean, so that's several stories of just nothing, just empty. So it was a it was a violent. They said gale force eight, which I don't know what that means except it made me seasick so I know it when I reach gale force eight I'm seasick that's what that's my measuring and so I, I spent several hours uh, in the bathroom on the trip back and then for two days afterwards it was like I you know like everything that moved I felt like oh no here it comes and it was just so I can imagine a little bit what the disciples were feeling in this storm because I'm thinking we're going to die and it's over and I, and, and they'll never find me at the bottom of the English channel but anyway um so, uh, so Jesus feeds these 5,000 people plus and a miracle. Imagine, interact with the story, you're one of the disciples. You get in the boat. You're excited. Wow, did you just see what happened? Incredible. We had just a few fish, a few pieces of bread, and everybody ate. This is magnificent. I mean, the disciples are talking, and they're high-fiving each other or, or whatever they did. I don't know. And then they're doing stuff, and they're just excited about what just happened, a miracle. They get in the boat thinking, wow, this is going to be great. We can't wait to get to Bethsaida and tell everybody. And along the way, storm comes. It's probably the last thing on their mind. But I want you, if you would, to understand this. You go, wait a minute. A miracle and then a storm. Did the disciples do something wrong? Did they mess up and God was now punishing them because they had messed up? Did they not? Because remember, their hearts were hardened, we find out later, so something they didn't get. But along the way, we realized, wait a minute, why the storm? They must have done something terrible. But why does God sometimes allow these storms in our lives? Because I want you to notice this. Look closely at verse 45. Verse 45 of chapter 6, it says, Immediately Jesus made, now let me stop there for just a moment. That word made there implies that he did it without telling him why. How many of you would love it if God would tell you something and tell you exactly all the reasons why that he's telling you to do that? Right, exactly. I think I would. I think we all would. But the fact is, is here he just says, guys, get in the boat, go to the other side. He didn't tell him why. He just said, get in the boat, go to the other side. Which I kind of find it interesting that the disciples would just immediately do that without questioning why, which is another whole sermon. But the fact is, I want you to notice this. You can write it down in your notes. The disciples were in the perfect will of God at that moment. Jesus had told them, get into the boat now and cross to the other side. It wasn't that he was punishing them. It wasn't that they had done something wrong. The matter of fact, they were simply obeying Jesus. And there are times in our lives when we're obeying Jesus, living life, trying to do things right, trying to be good followers of Jesus. He asks us to do something, doesn't explain why. And then in the midst of that, a storm comes. And we're going, wait a minute, God. 
what is going on here? Why the storm? I was doing what you asked me to do. I was being faithful. Why the storm? Did I do something wrong? Because when we look at this book, we read it with the idea that God has these rules, and if we don't follow, storms come. But what if instead we said, this is a book about grace? God's trying to teach us something in the midst of the storms we'll encounter. And I think this story is a great way for God to show us that when we encounter storms, it's a way to see his grace in a way that we would have never seen it otherwise. Because let's face it, I like my predictable life, I like my comfortable life, and, and when we're experiencing the miracles of life, when we're seeing the good things happen, we say, oh God, thank you for your grace, life is so wonderful, the day is going great, everybody's healthy, it's just wonderful, we see his grace there, but could it be that God wants us to see his grace in the midst of some difficult times as well, because that's an aspect of his grace that we wouldn't see over there on that side of the lake, see? So as a result of that, we realize that maybe, maybe there's these storms coming in our lives, and maybe we're going through a storm right now, or maybe we just walked out of a storm, and we ask ourselves the question, God, what are you trying to show me in the midst of this? You see, in the movie, Life magazine is closing and facing its final publication, last issue, and Walter can't find this photo in order to be able to do this. It's supposed to be the cover photo for the magazine. He can't find it. And that forces him to go on a journey where he encounters all kinds of these adventures in life. And Walter gets in the boat, just like the disciples, and starts this journey to find this picture. Now, in verse 47 and 48, it says this. It says, later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he, Jesus, was alone. And he saw his disciples straining against the oars because the wind was against them shortly before dawn. So now it's later. So people who study the Bible, who are much smarter than me, have suggested that from the time the disciples got in the boat till the time that Jesus actually comes to rescue him, probably eight hours has passed by. Now think about this for just, interact with the story. Eight hours have passed by. Because what probably happened is, is that the disciples had got in the boat, Jesus sent the people away, and that was before it got dark, and then they're going, and in one translation or one part of the story in Matthew, Matthew tells a similar story, it says between, it was the fourth watch, which would be between 3 and 6 a.m., so that means that sometime maybe around 8 o'clock at night, everybody got dismissed, and now it's 3 or 4 in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, shortly before dawn, and all of a sudden, this encounter with this. So they've probably been on this lake straining for 8 hours. And I don't know about you, but there are times when you're just going through life, and you're just kind of going through a storm or whatever, and it's going on and on and on. And you sit back and you say, God, are you still here? Are you still with me? What's going on? Why is it taking so long for you to answer? What's happened? I mean, think about this for just a moment. Jesus could have simply said, from the moment he saw the storm coming, he could have said, and the storm would have been gone. And the disciples would have never knew anything about it. But for some reason, Jesus, even though he saw the storm, and even though he saw them straining, he doesn't just snap his fingers, he comes toward them. But it's an eight-hour process, approximately. And then they see that, and they think he's a ghost. And then we say, wait a minute, now they're terrified storm where's jesus who's that it's a ghost i mean they're they're having a bad bad night and all of a sudden we realize as the scripture says that jesus it says he passes them by you say wait a minute jesus passes them by doesn't even stop what he's what we're what, what the message is is this the boat and jesus is passing by and he wants the people in the boat the disciples to see that he's there see and there are times in our lives 
when Jesus passes by our storm and we mistake him for somebody else or something else. Oh, no, it's a ghost. Oh, no, where's Jesus? And he's right there with us at that very moment. But because we don't always recognize, so watch this. What is Jesus trying to show us? He's trying to show us that in the midst of our storms, that he or the situation or his grace, watch, his grace may look different than his grace looks during the times that everything's okay. In other words, he's saying there's a side of me, there's a grace in me that you'll only discover in the midst of going through a storm. There's there's a grace that you'll only encounter in the midst of going through difficult times. And you say, wait a minute, why would God care that I discover his grace on that side of the storm? We'll talk about that in a minute. So Walter can't catch a break. I mean, he's going through, his new boss doesn't like him, this girl doesn't notice him, he's losing his job, he can't find the picture, and then he receives a travel journal from his dad. He remembers he's packed, he's looking up because things are happening in his life, and he he finds his travel journal, opens it up, and it's blank. Nothing written in it except this little message from his dad. Have a great adventure. Dad, this is your journal. Dad. And it's kind of like this. It's kind of like God gives us a journal to help us through life, to see our lives in this book, to see our lives as we interact with the story and as God begins to put, us, put together a story for our lives. And as a result of that, just like in the movie, Dad sends us a book about grace. He sends us a book to find and discover adventures that we would have never discovered before in our lives. And as a result of that, there are times that, just like Walter, where we, where we encounter storms. Walter, I mean, he almost gets eaten by a shark. I mean, he almost gets uh, taken out by a volcano erupting. He almost falls through ice. I mean, all these adventures from this guy who had no profile on his online dating service. Nothing. He had no life. He had nothing. And all of a sudden, all this stuff. And he discovered, watch, he discovered something about himself that he didn't know. And maybe God is saying, I want you to discover something about your life that you didn't know up to this point. And the only way you'll discover it is by allowing me to show you my grace in the midst of some tough situations. So the question becomes this. Why am I suffering so? What's going on? Why does God care? You see, for many of us, this comfortable life we want, we just want a real safe environment around us. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, we think that God doesn't love us anymore if we can't find a close parking spot at Walmart. You know what I mean? I mean, we think, God, where are you? Why do I have to walk so far? You know? Or, or we consider becoming atheists if we get a flat tire. Okay, God, that's it. I got a flat tire and I'm late for work. I don't know if I can serve you anymore. Or, or if it's raining and we forgot our umbrella. Oh, really? That's how you're going to treat me? I'm good to you, God. You know, I mean, we consider these things. We, we kind of argue back. And these are just little things. Maybe God's saying, wait a minute, I'm interested in doing something bigger and greater inside of you. I want you to see my grace working in you that you can't see feeding of the 5,000. You can only see on the lake in the storm. See, the aim of Jesus is not to make life easy, but to transform our lives. He's not out to make our lives easy. He's not out to just say, okay, you know, accept me into your life, and then the next step is heaven. He's saying, you've got a journey here, and it's about, it's about loving God and loving people. And in the midst of that, everybody goes through storms. And so as we encounter storms, maybe we can say, you know what, I saw a side of God's grace that I never thought about, never saw before. Maybe part of the reason for that 
was so that when I encounter somebody else in life who's going through a storm, I can say, you know what? I've encountered storms in my life too, but I want you to know there's a side of God's grace that you'll never, ever, ever understand. And I want to tell you about it. And all of a sudden we realize, wait a minute, maybe God is, is helping me, is transforming my life so that there's purpose, there's adventure, there's courage, there's grace in this life here, not just in the life to come. Because the fact is, is that God wants everyone to be with him in heaven. The fact is that God doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to spend eternity with him. And as a result of that, he's going to show us grace here to help us through this. But in the midst of that, there's also going to be storms that come. You see, we want comfort more than transformation. And God says, you know what? I'm here to transform your life. I want to do something unique and different in your life that you could have never imagined and would never encounter had it not been for a few of the storms. He's trying to produce in his disciples something that they could not achieve on their own. And God opens, watch this, watch. God opens their lives to his grace. He opens their lives to his grace. And suddenly, in the midst of these things, I see God in a totally different way. You know, my, my wife uh, just said goodbye to our youngest son, so it was a little difficult for her, and I'm sure moms who've uh, encountered something like that can understand. And So we're empty nesters now, and so for probably a couple weeks, she really struggled, you know, just like, man, I... I find myself just being sad. I find myself being a little depressed. And I don't, do, what's going on, you know? And, and, and she said, do I, need, do I need to talk? What do I need to do? And so we sat down and, and I said, honey, let's just look at the last two years of your life. And the last two years, August to August, you've lost both of your parents. You were diagnosed with uh, diverticulitis, so she has to be very careful what she eats. I had uh, cancer removed. Uh, my thyroid from thyroid cancer. Uh, I lost my job was uh, discontinued, so I they basic so basically what happened is I went from not having a job to nothing, and then on a search for a job. Well, for her that was tough, as as it was for all of us, but for her, and then um, you know some other things, and and then my son moves to Miami, and then my other son moves to Dallas, and now there's nobody there, and it's this empty house. I said, honey, you've been through a lot in two years. I mean, any one of those things would be pretty, pretty big. But all of them together in less than two years, that's, that's big. And, and, you know, maybe God's trying to show us something in the midst of this. Maybe he's trying to develop character. or Maybe he's trying to bring transformation that we would have never encountered otherwise. Now, maybe for some of you, that, those storms don't compare to yours. Maybe what you're facing is huge, huge. And maybe for some of you, it's not quite as big. But we all encounter storms. And the point is this. Seeing and watching God show up in our boat with his grace and saying, don't be afraid. It's going to be okay. Because now watch this. The disciples are in this boat, right? Eight hours they've been straining. Jesus shows up. Peace be still. The storm is calm. So they're cruising along. And all of a sudden they realize, wait a minute. So the next time a storm comes, guess what? We know we can make it. Because we saw Jesus help us in this storm. We're going to be okay. It may not be eight hours. It may be longer than eight hours, whatever it might be. But we're going to be okay because we saw Jesus show up in this terrible storm. And the fact is that whatever storm we face in life, his grace is there. We think of God's grace as that being free of problems. And God says, wait a minute, it's not about that. My grace only comes to you in this way through some storms in life. 
And in the midst of difficulty, God answers to us. He answers and he says, it's I, it's me, here I am. He answers, he says, take courage, don't be afraid. There's a trust level that only happens as he reveals a side himself we wouldn't see in other ones. So let's look at Romans chapter 5, and I want you to look at this and consider this for just a moment. Mark chapter 6 is a story. It's a story to illustrate storms in our life, which we all encounter. Romans chapter 5 is a theology. It's the study about how God does things and why God does things. It's, it's, like, it's almost like, God, teach me how you think. What are you thinking? So we have this story about storms, and then we have this theology about storms. So look at it in Romans chapter 5. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Wow, we glory in our sufferings? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. Character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Think about this. In our suffering, in our storms, God's grace comes to us and he says this, I want to bring transformation. I want to bring perseverance. I want to bring comfort. I want to bring hope. I want to bring grace. I want to bring all these things to us. That's his grace to us. So I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what kind of storms you're facing. Maybe you're walking into one. Maybe you're in the middle of one. Maybe you just came out of one. But I want to take a moment here, if I could, and I just want to pray with those of you who might be going through a storm right now. So if you would, would you just take a moment, just bow your heads for just a moment. And as we interact with God's Word, as we make it more than just, you know what, that was a nice sermon, or that was a nice story, or hadn't considered that before, what if we were to just put ourselves in that place and say, God, you know what, I'm in a boat right now, and there's a storm. So I wonder this morning, how many of you would say, you know what? I'm going through a storm right now. I would love to be able to pray with you. So if that's you, would you just take a moment, just lift your hand, say, you know what? I'm going through a storm right now. Would you pray for me? Yeah. Several of you. Put your hands down. And Father, I just want to pray for my friends here. I want to pray for those who are going through some storms right now, some difficult times. Lord, we all do. Some of us have just walked out of some things. Some of us, the seas are pretty calm right now. But for my friends who just raised their hand, I'm praying that your grace would come in greater ways than ever before. That, Lord, your comfort, your enabling, your perseverance, all that you give to us, and that they would see you walking, passing by, reassuring them. And Father, we thank you for that. We thank you. So bless and comfort in the midst of storms this morning.